it's great. You know, guys like Arnett has really spent a lot of time with Casey. And when we brought Casey in, that was one of the conversations we had with him was, you know, not only come in for your skill set, but also to bring that energy and help the younger players. So he's done a great job with that. These guys know what it looks like. And when they're on the field, they're just another set of eyes uh, other than the coaches to share with the players what it looks like. And that's, that's always a good thing. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Kicking off hour number two of Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. We're going to kick things off with my good buddy Omar Ruiz from the NFL Network. You can find Omar on Twitter at Omar D. Ruiz. And Omar, thank you so much for your time this afternoon, my man. I definitely appreciate you. It was great seeing you out at the facility in Henderson this morning. And, man, I'll tell you, it's fun to have football back in the training camp session. But uh, you heard Gus Bradley. You heard him right there. And I know you were in the media session with the defensive coordinator of the Raiders. And you know him very well, you know, all the way back to his days in Seattle. He went to Jacksonville, Chargers, now with the Raiders. What is it, Omar, about Gus Bradley that makes him so good at his job and makes players want to go out there and play for him? Well, you heard him. Uh, well, first of all, Q, great to, great to be with you as always. Great to see you in person as always. Uh, it sure does feel good to have football back. It's good to be here uh, in person, watching practices, being a part of training camp, seeing some fans in the stands. I saw one guy, Q, walk in and his face lit up, uh, you know, a fan. So, you know, so those little signs that football is back, the NFL is going to be as strong as it ever was in 2021. As far as Gus Bradley goes, I mean, you, you've seen his personality both uh, on the podium and out on the practice field. He exudes that sort of positive energy that I think really relates to players, uh, you know, veterans and young players alike, his ability to communicate with everybody on the roster and, and to be able to talk about football, non-football uh, things, so he's able to get through his message. And then one of the other answers I thought was interesting with Gus Bradley was, you know, talking about the younger players and, and their development is the repetition, to do it over and over and over again, to develop that muscle memory and when players have that sort of muscle memory, you've heard Gus Bradley's system, that old Seattle Pete Carroll system. It's not overly complicated. What they do do, the players know it so well. That allows them to play fast, play hard, play physical. And that's something that I'm sure the Raiders are hoping to see with their defense this year. Yeah, especially with a young, a relatively young defense. They have a couple veterans, but they have a lot of young guys. And I know you specifically asked about the veterans and how important they are to help those young guys develop. A guy like a Casey Hayward, a guy like a unique Ngakwe. Uh, how much, when you see those guys out there, how much do you see them helping, helping the young guys along? It's hard to tell at this point. You know, they're going through those individual drills. I don't think guys, I think one of the more impressive parts of the Raiders in talking to people here is how quickly from a mental aspect, you know, these players, the, the new veterans, uh, the, the younger players have, have picked up from a mental standpoint, uh, this scheme, the, the playbook. Uh, so once, once we start getting the pads on and, and things start getting a little more physical and, mm-hmm. and perhaps guys get more tired and that could lead to more mental breakdowns. I think you'll see that tutelage a little bit more. Um, I think we're seeing it behind the scenes right now or, or not seeing it, but we're hearing stories about, you know, guys like Ngakwe and Casey Hayward, those veterans teaching guys in the film room uh, how to develop their games, how to be professionals. Meticulous note-taking was something that uh, Gus Bradley praised Ngakwe for and how now he's, Ngakwe's passing that down to some of the younger players. So teaching those kind of things. And I think we'll see those extra eyes on the field 
that Gus Bradley was talking about uh, earlier today as far as those vets with those young guys. Once they put the pads on, we start to see a little more physical brand of football in the field. Omar, how much did OTAs help this offseason? I don't mean just for the Raiders. I mean across the NFL. It was not there last year, and I kind of just thought, okay, no problem. They'll, they'll get in the training camp. They're pros. They know what they're doing. They'll be in shape. But these guys out here today, they look like they were just in tip-top shape, and I feel like that that's kind of the trend across the NFL because they did have that OTA workout. Yeah, I, I think that helped uh, tremendously. Maybe not from a football IQ standpoint, mm-hmm. I think, you know, the, these guys are pros. What they did in the Zoom meetings and meeting virtually, the, from a cerebral standpoint, they were able to, to learn the playbook. You just look at Justin Herbert and Joey Burrow, for example, rookies who didn't have OTAs, but they performed at a high level. They play a cerebral position, and they showed that in their rookie year last year. But I think being on the field, going through that conditioning, you heard Gus Bradley say that a lot of his guys up front looked lean, they looked agile, they looked athletic. A big, uh, you know, attribution uh, to that was was being here physically in person, working out with the strength program, and and getting in tip top shape that way. Of course, guys work out on their own, especially in those breaks between mini camp and training camp. But but I think last year, not having the OTAs and, and guys were living in a pandemic, just like right. us. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I heard a statistic driving up to Vegas yesterday, like forty two percent of Americans gained about thirty pounds during the pandemic, and wow. and the NFL players, you know, I'm sure. A lot of them, you know, maybe not 30 pounds, but, you know, gained weight. And, and you know, it's hard to lose that, especially when, when you're busy learning the playbook and such like that. So I think the OTAs help that. You know, guys shed a lot of good weight, that, like Gus Bradley said, and, and I think they'll be ready to rock from a physical standpoint here in 2021. Talking right now with Omar Ruiz from the NFL Network on Twitter at Omar D. Ruiz and here with us on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. And, you know, two two guys that stood out to me in a major way at practice today weren't players. They were coaches. And Gus Bradley brought them along when he got the defensive coordinator job. And that's defensive back coach Ron Milas and then linebacker coach Richard Smith. These guys, I know they have a great reputation across the NFL, but, man, their attention to detail, and I don't know how much you were able to kind of lock in and see them, but they – their attention to detail is serious. I really think that those guys are going to help, especially with the young guys, kind of not even coach them, more like teach them, Omar. Yeah, that, that, I think that's the, the key word of emphasis. You just said there, Q, was, was teach them. These guys are high-level teachers of the game of football. And I didn't necessarily notice Richard Smith today, but, but certainly Ron Miles. I think mm-hmm. he's a fantastic coach who always stands out whenever he's on the field. I had a chance to talk to him several times. Uh, when he was with the Chargers and, and just, you know, how, what he focuses on and those little details to be as precise as possible with his players on the field. And you've seen so many uh, players, both young, you know, you look at what he was working with uh, last year with the Chargers, uh, Derwin James developing him to the superstar that he's become, and hopefully he stays healthy. But also a guy like Chris Harris, who he first worked with uh, back in Denver uh, when Chris Harris was first coming in, and then he got him again as a seasoned veteran, and Chris Harris saying that he was able to learn from Milas both as a rookie and as an established veteran. So his teaching methods always stand out. The detail that he was preaching the guys uh, during practice uh, certainly always stands out, and I think that's one of the things that uh, Gus Bradley was talking about today, the cohesion that they have on the coaching staff. And, and talk to some other members of the coaching staff, when you have that buy-in uh, with the staff and, and they are all working on the same page, they are working with confidence. That can't help but rub to the players, and they start working with confidence, and they have that buy-in to what the coaching staff 
is selling them, and you're seeing the early returns on that here for the Raiders. And I know that you're in town for a few days. You're here with NFL Network. Of course, you guys do a tremendous job of covering the training camps all across the league. But while you're here in Vegas, while you're here with the Raiders, what is what is Omar Ruiz looking at? What are you trying to focus in on uh, most importantly for you? Well, what I was looking at was uh, Darren Waller. I think he's a guy who's established himself as a star, and I know there's a belief in the building that uh, he might be able to establish himself this year as the best tight end in football, and, and that's that's heavy, heavy praise. And uh, you know, I was speaking to somebody uh, yesterday who who said that you know when Waller went out to the tight end university run by George Kittle and Travis Kelsey, as great of players as those two are, and, and they are superstars, no question about it, in their own right. Both of them were in awe of Darren Waller, and I think the confidence he got from going there and standing out amongst the best of the best, the production that he's put on the field in 2019-2020, back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons, I think we're only beginning to see the tip of the iceberg for Darren Waller, and I think this could be a very special year for him. So establishing that connection with Derek Carr once again, how he makes it look so easy in that red zone. I know that's a point of emphasis for this Raiders offense. So Darren Waller is a player to watch because he, he is just so smooth out there. He's a player for me. It's hard to take your eyes off of him. Absolutely. And uh, Omar, I did want to ask you a couple questions just across the NFL. As Again, you guys do a great job of just covering the whole league like a glove. And, and some of your colleagues at NFL Network, Mike Garofalo and uh, Ian Rappaport, reported earlier about Carson Wentz. And as this story continues to develop, it looks like he's going to miss all of preseason. Looks like he may have to have surgery. Uh, just a major blow for Carson Wentz, who, again, seems like he's going to be banged up. Uh, what are your thoughts when you, when you saw that, when you heard that? And, and what do you think uh, Indianapolis does if he does have to miss an extensive amount of time yeah I felt bad for for the Colts and the, and the organization here they were thinking potentially uh, they might have been getting an upgrade uh, from Philip Rivers and they'd kind of been searching for that post Andrew Luck era quarterback to pair along with what most people feel is a Super Bowl contending roster uh, other than the quarterback and, and so for Carson Wentz to reestablish himself as the MVP type of player he showed himself he could be in the 2017 season, just nothing but disappointment for that Colts, who I felt uh, they believed was a quarterback away from, from being that Super Bowl contender. So, you know, if, if things don't work out with, with Carson Wentz, obviously hope it does, um, then, yeah, you, you'd have to look at, you know, some of the veterans that, that might be out there to, to plug and play because otherwise you're looking at a guy like Jacob Eason who hasn't really uh, played, uh, you know, in the NFL and, and still learning the game and, and uh, would be a, a shame uh, to have an inexperienced quarterback like that for a Super Bowl caliber type of roster. Yeah, and, and Omar, I, I mean, and I hate to speculate, but if I mean, if Carson Wentz is out for a, a large amount of time, if he does miss some real good time of the regular season due to a, a, this foot injury, I mean, what what's going to be the narrative? What's going to be the storyline behind him besides, well, here's another injury for Carson Wentz? That's a good question. Uh, <laughs> this certainly was a. Uh, what I think a lot of people felt was a make-or-bake type of year right. for Carson Wentz after all the injuries and, and um, you know, it seemed like there was a lot of behind-the-scenes back and forth, uh, not getting along with the locker room, getting along with the locker room, and a lot of he said, he said type of things coming out of Philly. So it was a fresh slate for him uh, in more ways than one to try to shed that injury-prone label, to try to establish himself as a a well-liked guy in the locker room, and, and obviously he's on the shelf this year, won't be able to improve uh, any of those 
uh, bits of his reputation. No, it, it really won't. And, and I wanted to ask you about Aaron Rodgers and, and that saga that was going on in Green Bay, and it's somewhat still going on, but he is at least at camp. He's reported. Uh, he's got his guy, Randall Cobb, back. You know, uh, him, <laughs> Cobb, Devontae Adams, they're all going to run at least one more year. Uh, what did you make of the whole Aaron Rodgers saga and, and how it all shook out, at least up to right now? Well, I think it ended how I thought it would with him reporting for camp and, and it being much ado about nothing. But that being said, the way he just uh, was so honest in that press conference and laid yes. out all of his gripes obviously told me that it wasn't much ado about nothing. And all the speculation, all the drama that people were talking about, uh, you know, with those sort of unnamed sources and everything, it was all real. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and not that I doubted anybody's journalistic credibility, but, uh, you know, until you hear it from the horse's mouth, which is very rare right. uh, in today's NFL, as, as corporate as quarterbacks, uh, you know, tend to speak with when they're at the podium, uh, it was, number one, refreshing and also very insightful that even a player like Aaron Rodgers, arguably the most talented quarterback of his generation, would have this many complaints with how he's viewed in his organization was uh, was certainly fascinating. I think he'll play like a like a wild man and uh, you know probably put up a uh, uh, success like he did last year, the MVP type of caliber year. But it's hard for me to believe that he comes back uh, after this season and 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 pulling all of this. Uh, obviously, they they selected Jordan Love. They're in the first round for a reason, and I think uh, 2022 we might see love a little sooner than uh, perhaps expected. It feels like it. It sure does feel like it's coming down the tracks pretty quickly. Uh, Omar, great stuff as always. I do want to ask you before you go, I know that you're, like I said, in, in town right now with the Raiders. Uh, where's, the, where's the NFL Network train going next? What's the next stop for Omar Ruiz after you leave, uh, leave this area? Well, I'll head back to, uh, to the studio here and do some uh, NFL Total Access. Then I'll head up to Northern California and do some uh, 49ers okay. uh, coverage and stop in at their training camp. And then I'll go back to the studio in Los Angeles for Hall of Fame weekend. And I can't wait for that. Obviously, ties to the Raiders. I know yeah. there's a lot of excitement here for both Tom Flores and Charles Woodson going in. It's always one of the most special weekends of the year uh, in the NFL world. So, yeah, certainly a, a lot to talk about here in the next week and a half. We'll be all over it. And certainly tomorrow for this uh, Back Together Saturday, uh, we'll have 13 straight hours from every single team covered, including your Las Vegas Raiders. Nice, nice. You know, it's funny. We had David Baker on to start the the show. And I'll tell you, Omar, I don't know if you're like me. I watch those speeches every year, and I don't know who it's going to be, and I don't know at what point it's going to be, but there's always one or two speeches that gets me emotional, and I have to look away and be like, uh, yeah, my allergies are messing with me real quick. My allergies, (laughs) you know, just someone gets me, Omar, every year. Does that happen to you, too, during those speeches? Oh, yeah. I I mean, I'm getting choked up just thinking about it. (laughs) Right. You know, you get emotional, and, and, you know, you – you think about, you know, how much love that, you know, we have for the game and how much we've dedicated our lives to it. And, and, and that's only a fraction right. of what these guys who are going into the Hall of Fame. Um, and, and so the measure of that accomplishment to these men, uh, it, it, you know, you can only you can only imagine what they're feeling. And, and certainly a lot of emotion is involved in that. And I think, you know, somebody like myself who grew up a Raider fan, especially uh you know, Mexican-American and, and mm-hmm. what Tom Flores means to, to me and, and our community uh, in that regard. And then, you know, I was, you know, in, in, in my most, uh, you know, heightened fandom when Charles Woodson became a Raider and, right. and followed his career throughout. So it, it is a special year. 
uh, in that regard. And, and I'm sure either one or both of those speeches uh, – We'll get us going, and it'll get kind of dusty outside. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It happens every year. Omar, great stuff as always, my man. You know, I always appreciate you giving us a little bit of your time. It's always great to catch up with you. And like I said at the beginning, man, it was great to see you this uh, this morning. All right, buddy. Hope to see you uh, here throughout camp. And uh, until next time. Absolutely. Appreciate you, Omar. There he goes. Uh-huh. No problem. There he goes. Omar Ruiz from the NFL Network does a great job covering the NFL like a glove for NFL Network. And a a dude always willing to give his time. Uh, Anytime I've ran into him at the Super Bowl, Radio Row, the draft, wherever the the case may be, wherever our worlds collide, uh, always get to spend some time with them. And uh, the good thing about Omar is he always likes to share his knowledge and what has helped get him where he's at at NFL Network. And for some folks in our industry, that's that's a – that's like a dream job. I mean, he's just incredible at what he does, but he's always willing to give some advice to to somebody who may be on the come up, a, a, someone who's a, a young dude trying to get into the game or a young lady trying to get into the game. He's always willing to go ahead and give them some time and uh, share some stories with them. So uh, I think that that's really cool, and, and that, that means a lot. And, and, you know, he just he does an incredible job at that. Hear him right there talk about Tom Flores and Charles Woodson and I uh, grew up a, a big Charles Woodson fan as well, and I, I will remember the story like it was yesterday, playing a hoop-it-up tournament. My boy Corey, me and Corey, we were playing that tournament. That was the day of the draft, and that's really against the against the fandom rules to go and do something else besides watch the draft. That was when it was only on Saturday and Sunday. It wasn't, it wasn't on prime time Thursday evening, and we were at that hoop-it-up tournament. Our team wasn't worth the salt, and I kept telling them, like, man, I'm about to miss C. Wood get drafted by the Raiders. Oh, man, you'll be all right. You'll be all right. And so I had to keep on checking. I couldn't even focus on that basketball tournament because I was wondering if uh, the Raiders were indeed going to get Charles Woodson. They did, and uh, the rest is history. So I was very excited about that. Uh, Let's go out real quick to the uh, Raider Nation listener line at 702-365-9200, and let's see what's on the mind of Mitch in New Jersey. You're on Unnecessary Roughness. What's up, my man? How's it going, Q? That's a loaded question. How you doing? Good, man. Chilling. Brace yourself. Brace brace yourself. Okay. Hey, uh, Charles Woodson, him and Marcus Allen have been Raiders their whole careers. Yep. Uh, you know, Mr. Davis does ruffle people's feathers the wrong way at times. Oh, he did. Past tense. Sorry. Um, Otis Sistrunk, I was a fan of him. Mm-hmm. He should be in the Hall of Fame. And he was early in the show, you met, I think our passing game and our defense line is going to keep, uh, keep, we're going to be a minimum 10 wins uh, team. And one more thing, um, Looks like Indianapolis might be desperate for a quarterback. Yeah, maybe we can fleece him for a first or second round pick for uh, Marcus Mariota. But they do have uh, Jacob Eason. I was just wondering why they traded for uh, Carson when they have Jacob. He's a you know I'm a Pac-12 uh, fan here. Yeah, um, good player. He's pretty good. And you know why they gave up a lot for him. So maybe they want something for for Marcus, or we or vice versa. Very possible, very possible. Mitch, thank you so much for the call. I appreciate you. Uh, lots, of, lots of good stuff to unpack there. And I will say about uh, Marcus and the potential of uh, the, the, the Colts making a trade, right now he's going to miss all preseason. That's what it's being said right now as we have this TV in the studio. We continue to look up at it and it gets updated. Uh, looks like he's going to miss all of preseason for sure. And they're waiting on test results to find out if it could be more if he needs surgery. If he, miss, if he needs a surgery, he's going to miss some time. They went out and made that move for Carson Wentz because of multiple reasons. At one point in his career, he was on that MVP-type trajectory. He was on that, hey, I could be an MVP as I'm leading this team you know, to the, the, to the promised land, to the Super Bowl. They eventually go win the Super Bowl, but not with him. He was already banged up and on the shelf. 
So they didn't have, they didn't, it was Nick Foles. Nick Foles is the guy who ended up getting the MVP for the Eagles and the rest is history with that. Now they know that he has that relationship with Frank Reich. So they figure, okay, we'll give him a little bit more juice. We'll kind of jumpstart his career again. And he's got a really good offensive line, something he didn't have in Philadelphia. Uh, He's got a good run game. He's got some nice weapons. Defense is solid. Could be a team like you heard Omar say, could be a team that's a potential Super Bowl contender, but how quickly, you know, the wheels fall off the track and the train falls off the track. And so uh, never want to hope a guy's injured. So just hoping for the best, hoping that that injury is, is very minor to Carson, but we'll see. And if push comes to shove, maybe they do make a call to the Raiders. I don't think you get a first round pick for Marcus Mariota, but I, I could see them if they are interested indeed trying to trying to lure him out of Las Vegas. But the thing about it is, it's something that you got to keep in the back of your mind. Marcus does have a no trade clause. When he, when he restructured his contract in order to stay with the Raiders, they put the no trade clause in his contract. So if he were to be offered up or if they were to come calling for him, he would have to approve the trade to Indianapolis. Now I'm not saying he wouldn't, I'm just saying he would have to, he would have to give the AOK. He'd have to give the thumbs up before they could just trade him. So something to keep in mind, but thank you so much for that call. Definitely appreciate you. 322 is the time. Uh, we'll love your feedback. We got the Sam and Ash text line. Always wide open. Like some old school TV antennas, six, nine, one, eight, seven keyword R and R hit up Sam because you deserve what's right. And of course, the Raider Nation listener line, 702-365-9200. Coming up in just a few minutes, we will have Trevor Lane, LakersNation.com. Going to talk about Russell Westbrook, now a member of the Gold and Purple. That's what it is. <laughs> it's Unnecessary Roughness. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. He, he's done a good job. A very student, uh, much of a student of the game. Uh, a guy that really takes a lot of pride and wants to know, does not want to make mistakes on the field, um, and wants to understand it so well that he understands all the positions so he can be part of that accountability group, you know, that can hold each other accountable. So I like him. I think we'll get a better feel for how he is. Some of this thing that, you know, I would say just in the past, players that have played in this system, it's the part of repetition over and over and over, doing the same things to where it becomes muscle memory and the skill set. You utilize it so guys can pick up on it, and then they'll start kind of putting their own personality into the techniques. So. You know, until you go full speed, I think we'll get a better feel for it. But, you know, as of right now, he's done a nice job. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy, Q. You heard Gus Bradley, defensive coordinator, talking about Jonathan Abram for the media session earlier today. And it's so funny because that was a question that I asked. I asked that question, and I've been talking about Jonathan Abram the last couple days. The reason I tell you that I asked that question is because I got hit up on Twitter today by someone who said, you do realize, Q, oh, it's funny that first of all, they, they presented it with, with all due respect. So you know that something's coming bad. <laughs> you know you're about to get, get one when they say with all due respect, or they say, I'm not trying to you know be disrespectful. And I say that too. I'm guilty of that too. I say that. Hey, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but you know something's coming. So they said on Twitter, they said, with all due respect, you, <laughs> you do realize that Jonathan Abram was just one player out there on the defense last year. There was 10 other guys out there that helped contribute to them not playing that well. And I responded with, yeah, absolutely. It's 11 on 11. Oh, well, you're just on him so tough. And it's so funny. I didn't think I was on him tough. I actually thought I've been giving him props the last couple of days because I've been very, as a matter of fact, about him being more focused him being more locked in, him almost having a sense of urgency, 
I've actually thought, in my opinion, and maybe not, maybe I shouldn't, in my opinion, give people props because maybe I'm not really giving them props, but I thought I was kind of giving them a little bit of love and saying, hey, man, this dude seems like he's really kind of locked in. I know I was talking to Vinny Bonsignor about that as well. Like, man, this this guy seems like he's all business. You know, it's great to have good times and, have you know, be out there and doing your thing and, you know, having having a good, you know, like I said, good time, but Sometimes you got to lock in, and it seems like in, in year three, Jonathan Abram is really locked in. He's played 14 games so far in two seasons. I think he's ready to really make that happen. So, uh, yeah, right there you heard Gus Bradley talk about how he's done so far. And, again, it's early. They haven't put the pads on, but the repetition's been there, and he likes Jonathan Abram as a student of the game. And I do think he has a lot of really good uh, potential moving forward in this year for the Raiders in that defense, on the back end of that defense. I'm excited about him and Trayvon Merrick. And that safety, uh, that safety positions. I think that they're going to really help out this defense, step their game up. The secondary is so important to the success of the defense. So I'm, I'm excited to see how they, uh, how they all work out. But right now, I want to kind of shift our attention, and I do this every once in a while. There was something that happened in the NBA yesterday that was really a big deal. One, the NBA draft happened, so that's always that's always something. The NBA draft is not the same as the NFL draft. You know, it's only a couple rounds, and once you get to the second round, sometimes. You just don't know what's going to happen, who's going to be drafted, and if they're even going to make the team or how long they're going to stay on the team. The one thing that kind of drives me crazy about the NBA draft is you'll get drafted by one team, and then when you wake up the next morning, you're on another team. Or if you're a fan or just like a guy like me watching, a guy will get drafted like Jared Butler from Butler, from Baylor was drafted last night by New Orleans. I woke up this morning. He was in Utah. <laughs> so, I mean, it just it happens. One famous draft day trade for the NBA, one Kobe Bean Bryant, you might have heard of him. Drafted by the Hornets, ended up a Laker his whole career. And let's turn our attention to the Lakers. And right now, to help us do that, my guy, good buddy of mine, Trevor Lane from LakersNation.com. You can find him on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane. And Trevor, thank you so much for your time. The NBA draft did take place yesterday, but as far as the Lakers were concerned, the big news was Russell Westbrook is headed back home. He's headed to L.A., back to the West Coast, played ball at UCLA. He is now a member of the Lakers, going to play with Anthony Davis, LeBron James, how big of a of a move was that, and and how long was that move on your radar? Hey, now, thanks so much for having me. Uh, this this is a massive move in terms of, of what it's going to mean for the outcome of the season for the Lakers, good or bad, right? I mean, you can see this going south, but you can also see this working out. Uh, it was on my radar for about zero seconds before it actually <laughs> happened. We were we were all expecting the Buddy Heel thing to get done. And then, bam, just got just got hit by that curveball. And next thing you know, it's Russell Westbrook on his way to the Lakers, which, uh, look, this is, this is the Lakers building their own big three to be able to go at the Brooklyn Nets. And uh, there's some questions, certainly, about the fit on the floor. But, uh, but the Lakers are, are being aggressive, and they're, they're going to give it their best shot here. You know, it's funny. I mentioned it on the show yesterday, right when it was about to happen. You know, we've seen a, a couple of the headlines in the TV here in the studio. And my mom, who's a huge Laker fan, immediately texted me and said, no. And she said, we. She said, we're getting Buddy Heald. And I said, no, no, I think you're getting Russell Westbrook. And <laughs> so, yeah, she was right there on the same radar that you were on as far as, you know, Buddy and not, and not Russ. And all of a sudden it becomes Russ. Now, you mentioned the, the fit on the court. How does that fit? Russ likes to go 100 miles an hour. He's go, go, go. There's no red lights in his life. There's no yellow lights in his life. It's all green. LeBron, AD, they like to slow things down quite a bit. How does that work on the court together? You know, I think that the Lakers' transition play is going to be significantly better because you've got 
uh, Westbrook. Like you said, you know, when you've got LeBron, you can get the ball out to him, and he can run and transition at times. He can push the, the foot down on the gas pedal when he has to, but it's not the speed he wants to play at all the time. So the Lakers weren't able to take advantage of very many transition opportunities last season. Russell Westbrook will give you some opportunities to do that this season. Uh, the biggest challenge, though, is the shooting with Westbrook. I mean, right, like the Lakers, their biggest problem, aside from injuries in the first round of the playoffs, was their inability to hit threes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Suns were completely allowing them to, to cast away from behind the three-point line, and the Lakers just couldn't knock them down. And so to, to pull off a trade like this, like if you went after Buddy Heald, great, you're getting one of the better three-point shooters in the NBA. Russell Westbrook, teams don't bother to defend him behind the three-point line. They will camp his defender in the paint. So that's going to be a challenge. You took one of your best three-point shooters in Contavious Caldwell-Pope, and you've got a guy who shoots about 30 31% from three in Russell Westbrook. So how they build out the rest of the roster is going to be very tricky. But talent-wise, I think the Lakers just said, look, this is a talent upgrade. We'll deal with things as they come and, and figure things out. Uh, even if the fit is uh, a little bit imperfect. You know, and from everything I've seen so far from Russ's end, he looks very pumped up and very excited. And he's never really been one that's gone out and campaigned. Uh, I want to go join a super team. I want to do this, that, and the other. But he's always going to play his part, no matter where he's at. If it was OKC, Houston, uh, Washington, obviously, and now with the Lakers. But he looks like he's fired up and pumped up to to become a member of the Lakers. Yeah, absolutely. And what we heard, how this actually went down, uh, Brad Turner of the LA Times and Eric Pincus of Bleacher Report both got some great details on this. Basically, what, what happened was uh, Westbrook, Anthony Davis, and LeBron James all met a couple of weeks ago and talked about, hey, how can we all play together? What can we make this look like on the floor? How can we make this work? And they decided AD is going to play a bit more at the five. LeBron's going to play more at the four in order to, to create a little bit more spacing to, uh, to compensate for Westbrook's lack of shooting out there from behind the arc. And, uh, and that originally the Lakers had been looking at a Westbrook deal, but the Wizards, you know, they weren't going to do it. They weren't ready to move on from him yet. And, uh, and the, the reason why we saw that quick change from Buddy Heald was because Westbrook went to the Wizards and said, hey, please do this for me. Please send me to the Lakers. And then the Wizards got back on the phone with the Lakers. And that's why we saw that complete reversal where instead of going for Buddy Heald, the Lakers jumped off of that track and went back towards Westbrook again and then got the deal done. So it was very much LeBron involved, Anthony Davis involved, and then Russell Westbrook himself making that push because he wants to come back to Los Angeles and he wants to be a Laker. That's going to be exciting. It's fun. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Russ guy. I, I really enjoy Russ. Like, I mean, you, you mentioned he has his, his areas of concern. He's not the greatest shooter at times. Sometimes he'll shoot you out of a game. But I'll tell you, a dude like that with his spirit and the way that he he doesn't take a playoff, Trevor. I mean, he's going to give you everything he's got every time he's on the court. I, I think that that's just one of those guys that's almost like an infectious type of personality. You can't help but to kind of root for a dude like that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And just – Having that, the playing with that fire all the time. I mean, maybe it's cliche at this point to call it Mamba mentality, but it's kind of along those lines, right? That he's going to go out there and give everything, every single game and every single possession. You always get behind guys like that, and uh, and so I think that's going to be a lot of fun knowing that Russ is going to go out there and leave it all on, on the floor on a nightly basis. Yeah, absolutely. We're talking right now with Trevor Lane from LakersNation.com. You can find Trevor on Twitter and all his work at Trevor underscore Lane. And uh, I wanted to ask you about, because the NBA draft was last night, and you know the Lakers went and made some moves, undrafted free agents. Uh, Mac McClung, he's one of those guys. He was originally at Georgetown, then went to Tech. Now he's a you know signed as an undrafted free agent. What did you think of the guys that just signed as undrafted free agents? How did they help with the roster? And are they anybody that can help this roster compete this upcoming season? 
Yeah, I mean, when you've got undrafted guys coming in, like they they went undrafted for for a reason, and so you can probably say, look, is is it likely that they're really going to make a big impact? Probably not. But then again, uh, Joel Joel I I always mess up his last name, right, but gotcha. uh, but he's a tremendous shooter, three and D style wing player, a guy who could come in, guy who was expected to get drafted in the second round, uh, and then you've got Austin Reeves, a guy who was going to be an, an early second round pick. On most boards, and in fact, the, the word has come out that he actually requested, once he dropped far enough in the draft, that teams not draft him so that he would be able to kind of pick his landing spot. And he picked the Lakers because you look at the situation, the Lakers have a lot of different uh, spots open right now. They've got to fill out their roster. And so there's a decent shot for these guys to come in, show well in summer league, which is starting up in about a week here. Uh, and then they can they can hopefully actually make the, the roster. And at the very least, they'll sit on these two-way contracts and can jump up and play for the, for the big club, the Lakers, uh, during the season at various points. So I think they did great snagging guys as talented as this after the draft. These, again, both guys that were expected to be second-round picks that the Lakers were able to get without having to burn any kind of draft capital to get them. So you've got to like that. And then Mac McClung, I don't know what his NBA future looks like, but I know he's a ton of fun to watch. Right. And so I can't wait to get to watch him in summer league. Right. And hey, you're as a, as a pros pro that you are, I, I love the way that you uh, teed me up for summer league, because of course it's taking place here in Las Vegas. We actually have tickets to give out to that. Are you going to be out here for summer league action? Oh, I am. I am definitely nice. going to be there. I cannot wait for it. I love summer league. It mm-hmm. is so much fun. Uh, yeah, so I, I will be there, and I'll be uh, be covering everything everything from Las Vegas. Nice. Well, I'll, I'll, like I said, I'm here. Um, I'm excited. I, I love Summer League as well. I remember going to Summer League as just a young dude, and uh, it's, it's really fun to kind of get to see these guys when they're young, before they become superstars or whatever they do with their career. It's kind of cool to you know be up close and personal with them at the Thomas & Mack or Oz Cox Pavilion. But, uh, yeah, so we'll definitely uh, have to catch up while you're out here in Las Vegas. But, uh, Trevor, thank you so much, man, for your time this afternoon. I just wanted to catch up and – talk a little Westbrook and talk a little Lakers and uh, see how everything was going. So I appreciate your time. Hey, no problem. Thanks so much. And, uh, and I'll see you in about a week in Vegas. There it is. Thank you so much. There he goes. Trevor Lane, LakersNation.com. I forgot to tell him there's no such thing as Lakers Nation. <laughs> no, but there is. I mean, it's, it's his website. And they work for it. But he's, he, no, he's a good dude. That's my guy. That's my guy. He, he just, he'd laugh at me. He would laugh at me. He's a good dude. He'll be out here for summer league. And we do have summer league tickets. I'm glad that he gave me that segue. We have tickets to give out. We're not giving them out right now, but what you can do, if you want to get hooked up with some tickets, go to lvsportsnetwork.com right now. You click on NBA Summer League, put your name in there, boom. You can get registered for a four-pack of tickets, not just a pair of tickets, but four. So you and three of your homeboys or three of your homegirls or a mix and match, whatever you want to do. Maybe you could be date night at the hoop game. It's a perfect date night. I live by the motto, if it ain't free, it ain't me. Well, you can get hooked up. With some free tickets, lvsportsnetwork.com. Click on the NBA logo. Boom. Get registered right there for a four-pack of tickets. And, of course, we'll be giving out plenty of tickets to those as well. So many thanks to Trevor for joining us right there. Quick minute to talk a little L.A. Lakers. The time is 3.40. Come on back and uh, close out the show. So uh, it's time to hear from you, Raider Nation. I had my man Mitch in New Jersey chime in. Want to hear from you, 702-365-9200. Sam and Ash text line 69187, keyword R&R. What's on your mind? Is it Raiders-related, football-related? What is it? Get at your boy, man. It's Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. You know what? He, he is a pro now. I, 
He's always been a pro. I mean, a meticulous note taker. You, you wouldn't know that about Yannick. He's in there. I mean, attention to detail. He's a very, very prideful man. And um, he's always been that part of it. I think what I've seen him do more now is he's helping everybody. He's helping younger players. He, you know, it's very important for us, for him, for us to be a strong unit. You know, those type of conversations with him. But he's very focused. Uh, he knows what he needs to do. And I see him sharing more of those things with some of the younger players. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. You heard Gus Bradley, defensive coordinator, talking about free agent defensive end Unique Ngakwe, who is now a member of the Silver and Black. It was kind of cool seeing Unique Ngakwe talk to the media earlier today. And I know he hasn't said this. This is not the first time he's ever said this, but at one point in the media session, he said, I just... I feel like I was a Raider the whole time, all along. It just took me a while to get here. <laughs> thought that was kind of cool. Everyone in the media room kind of got a good laugh out of that and thought that, you know, that's really cool. And Ngakwe is a, a, a good dude, absolutely good dude. He seems like he's really kind of focusing on, on being a leader, on being a tone setter, on being a guy that helps turn things around. I think he realizes the kind of, the kind of path that, that, that this defense has been on and how it hasn't been what anyone wants it to be, but knows that he can help contribute and become help this defense become something special. And Max Crosby, two guys that I know I watched a lot at training camp today was in Ngakwe and Max Crosby. And you could just see them when they weren't actually participating in the rep, they were trying to promote and pump up everyone else to participate in the rep. And you heard Crosby, he was very vocal. And Ngakwe, you could see him there standing by trying to, trying to encourage guys as well. So I uh, thought that that was a big deal. And, and it just saw a lot of energy without them going 100 miles an hour. Still saw a lot of energy out there at training camp. And Ngakwe was was one of the major reasons why. He just he just looked apart. Now, of course, it's it's early. It's, it's the, I guess, the ramp-up period. It's still the, it's like if you're in a new relationship, it's the time period where you're still on the phone and you're trying to woo-woo-woo the girl to the point where you may fall asleep. That's what we used to do. We used to call that back in the day, Bobby. We used to woo-woo-woo the girl, you know? Sometimes you'd have to put some Jodeci on in the background and try to be a little romantic. (laughs) (laughs) Vinny, (laughs) on that note, now that Bobby said we used to woo-woo-woo him too, pal. We've all woo-woo-wooed him. Just saying. You know? It's a different level of woo-woo-woo. You know what I mean? It's a different level, Bobby. You know, the gym that I worked out at in Encino, California, where I met my wife, by the way. Nice. New addition. Oh. Uh, you know what? I heard this story. Oh, you okay. had you uh you were telling so it Johnny the other Gil- day. Yeah. Yes. And whoever you were t- who was it you were talking to? Was it Damon who didn't know Johnny Gill? It was it, I he, think so, yeah. He's a new booty. He's a youngster, yeah. so he don't know no better. Johnny Gill. I, I know. Mean, How do you on. not know Johnny Gill? And it was yeah, so uh, they woo wooed him. My, my, he could yeah, they my, were, my, my. right. So it was, and it was just at the <laughs> time where they like were that, <laughs> they were getting ready to uh, to do their reunion tour and everything like that. Yeah. So they were getting in shape and everything. So uh, it was cool. And they were Matter good fact, dudes, good dudes. You were telling the story where I guess you had asked them about the songs that they were singing. They're like, I have no idea what those when they were little kids. The, when they were little kids, they I was had like, no idea. No, you know, you know, they were like, hey, they just told us what our dance steps were, right? Gave us our lyrics, and right. away we go. But we didn't know what we were talking about, right? Exactly. So anyway, that's the period that the Raiders are in right now. Is they're a couple days into training camp. They're still in the ramp up period. They're still in the 
feeling each other out type situation. Now, next week, when they put the pads on on Tuesday, that's when it's go mode. But from what you saw today, Vinny, what, what were your takeaways? Well, um, the whole week so far, I, I love the energy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's apparent. Uh, there's a lot of positivity. Uh, there's a lot of communication. Uh, I texted a, a, a coach, um, actually on my way over here uh, to the studio today, and I was like, you know, I'm just I'm feeling something different. You mm-hmm. know, I, I'm I'm sensing something different. I know it's early, and it's you know, you can get caught up in uh, in in this time of year and uh, and and miss things. But the response back was, um, these guys are having a lot of fun, and mm-hmm. they really really like each other. That was the 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 main takeaway of the of the response. And you can tell that there's a right. lot of guys that are pulling for each other. You mentioned even when Max Crosby and Ngakwe. Uh, are are done with their reps yep. and kind of catching their their breath a little bit. They're still there, leading and mm-hmm. encouraging and pulling guys aside. Uh, I, I don't I don't remember if you were there yesterday, but no. uh, there was a um, I think it was Ngakwe got after somebody. Uh, one of the offensive it was right. a rookie offensive tackle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it actually might have been um, Leatherwood. And after basically taking him to to school he yeah. pulls him aside and was talking to him and nice. instructing him and there was there's a lot of that going on and i just feel like and i felt like this for a while now this is this is a, a almost a homegrown built team yes there's new additions like ngakwe right. and uh, some other guys coming from other buildings but but there's a lot of investment in raiders mm-hmm. young players young draft picks um that they that they've invested heavily in with with draft capital and they're letting these guys grow together now i really like the additions of ngakwe and casey hayward and yeah. some of these veterans because that's what's been lacking and i wrote right. about it today especially at times where the Raiders needed guidance the most, mm-hmm. third down situations, late in game situations. They were rudderless right. last year. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. think that that's going to be a problem. I think the, the veterans that they've brought in, not only can they perform on the field, but they've got that sense of veteran leadership that can get things settled down, get things connected in times where the Raiders need to be most connected. When they needed a guy, a veteran, to come in and say, all right, look, this is what's the deal. This is the scenario. They've got to score a touchdown. Don't get someone let behind you. Right. Don't leave your you know, area. Know where don't... the sticks are. Right, exactly. They needed someone to, to kind of, similar to, and I don't think you were on the Raiders beat at the time. I think you were still uh, you know covering the Rams, but Khalil Mack's rookie year, he had uh, Justin Tuck. Right. And, yes. And remember, and remember when him and I forget who it was, they met in the backfield and they got uh, the Chiefs quarterback. It wasn't Patrick Mahomes. It was Alex Smith. Right. They right. got him to the ground and they started celebrating. And then all of a sudden, Justin Tuck had to call timeout. I was like, hey, get your ass right. back here. Yeah. He was, you know, and he exactly. was like, hey, you're about to cost us the game. But that was a teaching moment. Right. The Raiders didn't have a guy that could give that teaching Think moment. Think about last who year. was it? Like, like I, I was going through the roster last year. I go, who would have been even in a position? Uh, to be that leader, you, right. be that leader, you've got guys, you've had guys that are trying to make their mark in the NFL, let alone trying to be leaders. And right. I know guys want to lead. Um, when I did, you know, was covering the Rams, when they went out and get uh, got Andre Whitworth and, or right. excuse me, Andre Whitworth, uh, uh, Andrew Whitworth yeah, let, left and Robert Woods, it was, look, we have a lot of young guys in here that would love to lead, but they don't know how to lead. Mm-hmm. Guys like that have already established themselves as leaders and became those leaders and then led guys into being leaders. I think there's some leadership-type players right. on the team. Obviously, Derek Carr. I think Alec Ogletree uh, kind of profiles in, in that regard as well. But there's a bunch of other young guys, especially on the other side of the football, 
that want to lead. They just don't know how to lead or haven't been comfortable in leading. I think you're seeing Max Crosby, by the way. Yes. Evolve into that. You know what? And I didn't know that. I mean, obviously, we're all kind of still learning who Max Crosby is. You know, he's a guy who, when he burst on the scene his rookie year, it's kind of caught everyone off guard. Like, whoa, man, this 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 young rookie, this young pup is, is really taking over. And then last year he was banged up quite a bit, but still led the team in sacks. I think he is taking the next step in not only his play on the field, but like you said, his leadership. He showed, and it was just a brief period that we were able to see, but he he showed today that 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 he's trying to be that leader as well. This is becoming their team, that group's team. Right. It's becoming Max and Cleese and, uh, you know, um, uh, Alec, uh, Alec uh, Engold yeah, and uh, yeah. the young players. It's it's be, it's transitioning Trayvon Mullen. It's mm-hmm. starting to become their team. And these guys are – what did Cleve Farrell talk about yesterday? Look, I was just figuring out how to pay bills right, and get my apartment set yeah, up yeah. and pay my mortgage or whatever the case might be. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that's like becomes so much of a focus because you're doing things for the first time in your life in that regard. Um, and then you're also obviously trying to be a professional football player. But after a while, things settle down on that end. You start finding your footing and your voice inside the locker room in the building. And, and it, it becomes sort of a natural progression. And I think you're starting to see that this team is transitioning into their hands. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what did you think about Gus Bradley talking about Trayvon Mullen and the way he said he's consistently, consistently, consistent? Like he is that guy. Right. And you don't hear a peep out of Trayvon Mullen. At all. Uh, and that's a good thing for Very a cornerback. Yep. You know, has he been great? No, but he's been solid. Mm-hmm. And I think that if better things are happening in front of him, he's going to be a better player uh, as well. So that pass rush is going to make Trayvon Mullen a better player. And I, I like what I've seen from Damon Arnett the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been engaged. He's been out there. Um, he's been he, he looks good. He looks a little bit settled down. He's having a lot of fun. I was watching him today in particular. Yeah. Um, so it's just exciting to see some of these young guys starting to emerge. But then. Also having a guy like Yannick Ngakwe, um, who's uh, that willing leader, that guy that we t- just talked about, wants is is going to be in position w- along with a Casey Hayward and, and a Quentin Jefferson to have these guys, get these guys connected, especially mm-hmm. in those critical moments that we were talking about. Absolutely. Well, we can hear the music playing, so I got to ask you, what you got coming up in the huddle? You had a hell of a show yesterday. You had Mark Davis, the owner. You had Peter King, uh, the greatness of Peter King. What you got coming up in the huddle today? No pressure. We're going to be talking <laughs> about uh, everything that we ha- have been talking about, what we saw today uh, moving forward to when they get pads. Uh, we're going to have our doctor, Dr. Odell, comes on uh, on Fridays. Willie Ramirez from the Associated nice. Press here in Las Vegas is going to join us in the huddle. And we're going to be taking calls, 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 calls. It's coming up next.